Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And uh, let me read it to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? Uh, we'll do it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. I mean, it, it just... One of the reasons you're going to have a long life on this earth is because if you honor your parents, they're not going to kill you. That's one reason. But this is, this is the, one of the top ten commandments that's in the book of Exodus. And it's the only one with a promise that it will, if you honor your mother and your father, it will go well with you. And God promised you a long life. I, I remember uh, growing up when my, uh, I sassed off to my mom. I'm a teenager at that point, maybe 13, 14. I knew it all. And I sassed off to my mom. I said something extremely disrespectful. I didn't even know my dad was in the room, but how many know dad just kind of come out of nowhere? And he, and he grabbed me by my ear. This was what my dad did. Grabbed me by my ear and drug me to the bedroom. And I don't recommend this, it was a, but it left a lasting impression on me. And things were different back then. You could whip your child and DSS wouldn't get involved in it. And, they, and, he, and, he, and he drug me to the room and, and, and just really let me have it. And, he, and, he, and here's what's his thing. You never, ever disrespect my wife or your mother. And again, you know, I don't, I don't know how you discipline your kids. I don't, I don't recommend you pulling off their ear or beating them till they can't sit down for a week but but it worked for me and I and and I know that I was to honor to my mom to give respect to my mom uh we Emily my 18 year old she's about to graduate I know that's hard to believe it it really is especially when you look as young as I do and you got your babies graduate it's just hard to believe (laughs) it's hard to believe and she said, Dad, I'm not a child anymore. Why do you make me be home at 11? And I'm saying, exactly, you're not a child. If you, were, if you were a child, you wouldn't be able to go out at all. But because you're not a child, you get to stay out to 11. I, my, my boys came to me and not long, they said, Dad, why do you keep telling us? I mean, we're young men now. Why do you keep telling us what we can and cannot do. And, and you know, my response was, well, if you'll answer me the first time, I won't have to keep saying. When you sit there, when I'm talking to you, like you're on, like you're you're just going to daze, I I wonder if you're on drugs. Answer me with a yes, sir, or a no, sir. It's all about, it's about honor. It's about respect. It's about, it's about students honoring your parents. Someday you're going to grow up and you're going to, people are going to say, you don't know a whole lot. That, that's what you think about your parents. I remember as a 12-year-old, I thought my dad was losing his mind. At 15, he'd lost his mind. At 25, he was the smartest man in the world, and I wouldn't do anything without his advice. It, honor your parents. Honor them. A wise son brings joy to his mother. A wise young person will lead heed his parents' input, will be intentional about allowing their parents to be involved in their life, will speak to them in a respectful tone of voice, will follow their instructions without rolling their eyes or or a disgusted look, come on, help me somebody, or a murmuring mouth. There was a 10-year-old that made up a list and uh, an invoice to his mom, and he said, 
Took the dog on a walk, $2. Took out the garbage, $2. Cleaned my room, $2. Nice to my sister, $2. Total owed, $10. His mom wrote him an invoice. Gave birth to you, $100,000. Washed your clothes for 10 years, $100,000. Cooked your meals, nursed your wounds, have driven you all over town. Total bill. I love you. I love you. It, it just makes sense that as kids that we honor and appreciate, that we thank our mom, that we, uh, that we love her, that we tell her, Mom, you're awesome. You're amazing. I can't, I, I can't believe what life would be without you. And once she gets up from passing out, she will love it. Don't wait to her funeral to let her know how important and valuable she is. Write her a note. Give her a call. Plan a visit. Express your love. Those of us who have aging parents, honor doesn't go away. It doesn't stop when we get a certain age or they get a certain age. We show honor by by not abandoning them when, when they're less able and active. We juggle our responsibilities so that we can make time to, to help them and come alongside them. Honoring your parents regardless of their age is an attitude accompanied by actions that says you're valuable, you're worthy, you're, you're a person that God has sovereignly placed in my life. You may have failed me, you may have disappointed me, but, but I'm taking off my judicial robe and I am releasing you from the courtroom of my mind. I have chosen to look on you with compassion and respect with a person who has needs and concerns and scars of your own. Honor impacts them and it impacts you. It's a, and it results in blessing and reward. And the Bible says a long life in the Lord. There, there's a story, craziest craziest survival story I've ever read as I was preparing for this. His name is Peter Richley. You're not going to believe it. It's the truth. I'm not, if I'm, I'm telling, I'm just, I'm telling you the truth. Just hear it and then you'll say, no, you're not. I'm telling you the truth. This is what I read. Googled it. How can Google be wrong? I mean, it's got to be right. Peter Richley back in 18, when was it? 1820. He came from England to Australia. He was on a ship crossing the sea and the ship came under some problems, and it sank. And everybody on the ship died except Peter Richley. He was saved by another ship. Here's where the story gets crazy. That ship took him on, encountered crazy weather, and it sunk. And Peter, ship, third ship came along. I know you're not going to believe it. Third ship came along. It sunk. Peter got saved. Five ships picked him up and were lost at sea. The sixth ship picked him up and he began to tell them their story. If he would have told me the story, I would have thrown him overboard. You're not getting on my ship. This ship ain't going down. But they, they listened to his story. They, they clothed him. They fed him. They got him right. And then they said, hey, we've got this lady that is in the infirmary and and she's been on the ship, and she's been with us for weeks now, and everybody on board has just come to love her, appreciate her. I mean, she's just like a mom to us. Just, there was just this instant bond, and, and she is so sick. She's, her fever's so high. She's hallucinating, 
I mean, she doesn't even know what's going on. And all she keeps saying is, God, God, let me see my son one more time. She just kept praying that in her hallucinating, her high fevers. God, let me see my son one more time. God, let me see my son one more time. Peter, she knows us, but, but she's so out of her mind. Will you just go down to her and pretend to be her son and, and let, help her to just die in peace and, and, and do that for us? And he said, sure, I'll go down. And so he went to the informatory, and he knelt down beside her, and he was about to talk to her. And he looked in the woman's face, and it was his mom that he had been estranged for him for the past 12 years. And, and uh, he heard her, even before he got there, he heard that prayer, God, just let me see my son one more time. And as he knelt beside that bed, he began to weep and cry, and, and, and they were reunited, and they were able to love on each other. And, and you know what I got out of that story? Never, never underestimate the power of a praying mother. A, mother. a mother's prayer kept that joker from getting eaten by sharks, drowning in the ocean, kept him from being overwhelmed by the storm. Never underestimate the power of a praying mother. I don't know where I'd be today without, the, without a praying mother. I don't know what I would have got into, where, where I'd have ended up without a mom that went after God on my behalf. Moms, we honor you today. We appreciate you today. Will every mom in the house, will you stand to your feet and allow us just to give honor where honor is due? All the moms, will you stand? Appreciate you guys. We love you. Come on, we can do better than that. Give them a big hand. Thank you guys. We appreciate you. Amen and amen. I, I want to I wanna share with you, Courtney, I want to share with you just a little bit in Genesis. And, and, and I want to, well, let me just do it. Then God said, Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God's using the plural, in our. You heard of the thing of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Way back in Genesis 1, God was declaring the triune God. That word Trinity is not mentioned in Scripture. You won't see Trinity, but it, but it, is, it is spoken of on many occasions. So, that, so let's make mankind, mankind, in, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Here's the important. Male and female, he created them. God, God created both male and female. And I think maybe, I'm not, I'm not telling you, don't think I'm crazier out there. Just listen to me. Many of us think God is a male, and that that and, and that that's not that's not necessarily true. God, how many know? It's just common sense. If God was a male, He couldn't have created females, because males don't know anything about females. They they can't they can't figure them out. God, He He's got He's got both. He's <laughs> He's part. He He created both, and and He gave He go, gave both male. And you know what female means? It means not male or other than male. Somebody said, I didn't say it, but they said female is a male with a lot of fees. I never, I, I never said that, but, but somebody said that. But he created both male and female, and, and, he, and he did it for a reason. And, he, and, he, and he, what he wanted to do was he wanted male and female to represent him and to, to be a to be a part of him for his nature 
and his spirit to rest on them. And, and I want to tell you a few things about God's nature that is revealed in women, that are revealed specifically in mothers. That, that you, and you'll get, I think you'll get it. Here's the first thing. Mothers protect. All right, here's the big idea. We're trying to see God's nature in, in, in women. We're trying to see God. How is God? How can we see God in mothers? Mothers protect. Don't, don't, get, don't get a mother bear upset. She'll go nuts when you mess with her cubs. I, I, when I was in middle school, I had this big, big boy picking on me. He was bullying me and, and, and making fun of me and, and threatening me and challenging me. And, and it was going on day after day. And so I told my dad, again, I don't recommend this stuff, but it was a different day back then. And, and, and my dad said, this is what you do. You hit him as hard as you can in the bridge of his nose. And you, again, I mean, it was a different day. But <laughs> you're thinking my dad's a crazy man. No, that's just what you taught your boys back then. Hit him in the bridge of the nose, and his eyes will water so bad, and he'll bend over. And when he bends over, you come up with a good, with a good kick. And you better kick him hard, because if he can still walk, he's going to kill you. That was my advice from my dad. My mom's advice, she didn't have any advice. She was ready to go off on him. She wanted to get on the bus and beat the cheese out of him. She wanted to go to the principal. She, she, wanted to, she wanted to stand. Why is that? Because it's in mother's natures, not mother nature, it's in your mom's nature to protect. Where do they get that from? They get it from God. God's nature is to protect. Here, here's another. I was playing in a basketball tournament. I'm like a senior in high school, and, and, and this guy is... He's just all over me. He, I mean, we called it hawking. I don't know what you call now. But he was just scrapping, reaching, slapping a little bit. Nothing outside the rules. Talking junk. And it was just, he was just, we said, all. Oh, he's just all over me. And uh, I'm, I mean, it's basketball. I'm, I'm all right. And, and I, you know, I'm doing some things to him as well. But the timeout gets called, and I hear my mom. And, and the timeout, it gets real quiet. There are 2,000 people packed in a gym that seats 1,500. I mean, this place is packed. It gets quiet. I hear my mom. I look up. My dad's got her around the waist, and she's yelling at the top of her lungs, Ref, get that boy off my son. Why? Because she, she, that protective nature comes out. That's what moms do. That, that's what they're about. Where do they get that? Why, why are they like that? They get it from God. Here, here's what I want you to know. God protects. God is a protecting God. Uh, this is what King David told us. He said, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. God is a protecting God. Here's what he said. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. You're going through a storm, you're going through a challenge, you're going through a difficulty, find refuge in God and it'll make you glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. God's a protector. Listen to this. God is our refuge and our strength of of never an ever-present help in time of trouble. Uh, When I was in, I was in college, I I was in Lakeland, Florida. I was taking a 
a classmate to the Tampa airport. And so we were, I was coming back, I dropped him off, and I was coming back on the interstate. And, and we, you know, bumper to bumper traffic, but it was moving about 70 miles an hour. I, I mean, just lined up, it's going. And a tractor trailer came up behind me, got too close and bumped me and sent me off the side of the road. And I tried to get back on and I overcorrected. And when I overcorrected, I was driving a little GMC Jimmy, it rolled over on its side. And it's skidding down the highway like a top, spinning. I hear glass flying everywhere. Tapes are coming out of all the, 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 the storage places. I mean, it's just flat. I hear the screeching of tires. I hear the, the scraping of metal as it, as it spins along the highway. Every time it spins, I see another car coming at me. They're just trying to weave and turn and get out of the way. One of the last spins, I see a tractor trailer. It just, just headed right towards me. And, and, I, and I just shut my eyes. And I go, Jesus, I'm coming to see you. <laughs> you know, it's over. It's been a good 18 years, 20 years, whatever it was. God, you know, coming. I'm right on my way. And, and, I, and when I opened my eyes up, the car had stopped. The door was, was not open. I was able to climb out the window. I got out, not a scratch on my body. This is what it, this is what it felt like as I look back on it. It was like the angels of God took that car and tipped it over. And then as it spun around that highway, I'm, I'm talking bumper to bumper. I don't even know if you can understand this unless you see this. It was like the protective cover of God. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. God is a protector. He's a protector. You need protection today? I would run to God. That's where you'll find protection and safety and help. Here's, here's another thing. Mothers know. They just know. I mean, I mean, Angie, I'm sitting at the table and we're with a group of friends and I'm thinking, I'm about to say something. It's not come out my mouth. I've not, I've not expressed it. And she's shaking her head like this. No. She's like kicking me under the table. I'm like, what? I ain't even said anything. She's doing all that stuff. She knows. I don't know how she knows. She just knows what's about to come out of my mouth. She has saved me on multiple times by bloodying my shins because she knows I'm about to say something stupid and inappropriate and, and, and just be, I don't know how she knew it when my kids, especially when they were little, uh, Tyler, our firstborn, he'd cry, he'd start crying as an infant or baby, Tyler, whatever. And I'd get, no, no, you don't have to go get him. That'll, that, that, he, that's just a little cry. He's okay. Next cry, oh, he's hungry. Go get him a bottle. What? He, oh, go, he needs his diaper changed. It's like she knew what was going on in his life. By his cries. Why? Why is that? Because mothers know. They know. Where do they get that from? They get it from God. God, God knows. Uh, it's called the omniscience of God. It's God who encompasses all knowledge and all understanding in the, in the past, the present, and in the future. Listen to what the Bible says. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. God not only knows how many stars there are in the sky, but he knows each of them by name. Australia did a study not long ago, and they concluded that there are 70,000 million, million, million stars. 
And God not only knows them, he not only knows how many there are, he knows, he knows them by name. There are more stars in the sky, listen to this, than there are sand, uh, grains of sand on every beach and on every desert in the entire world. And God knows them all. It, uh, the, when you look at the story of Joseph, well, how does this impact or relate to my life? The, the story of Joseph, if you, you know much about it, in Genesis where he was sold by some, they wanted, his brothers wanted to kill him, the favored son, but instead of killing him, they sold him to some foreigners to be a, to be a slave. And over the course of time, he went, he went from a slave to a prisoner to a, to a, to a ruler in all of Egypt. And through his influence and through his authority, Joseph was able to save hundreds of thousands of people from a famine. But most importantly, he was able to save his family from a, fa- from a famine. And several years later, he was reunited back with these brothers that sold him into slavery. And, and you're thinking, well, what's he going to do? Is he going to get revenge? Is he going to be mad? And here's what he told him. He said, don't, do not be in distress and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. God, Joseph understood the omniscience, the all-knowing power of God. And God, by his grace, even, even in the, God knew what he was doing, and he sent Joseph through all these trials and all these difficulties and all these stuff, and, and eventually elevated him to a place of influence and opportunity so that he could make a difference in his world. God, God knows you. God knows me. You, he knows the number of hairs on our head. He, he had a plan for our lives before we were born. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thought from afar. You discern my going in and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, tongue, you Lord, know it completely. And what, what boggles my mind or what, what I think when I read this is God knows everything about me, everything, even before I think it or say it, but he still loves me. He still wants what's best for me. He still, what an awesome God that knows us so well and loves us so much. S.M. Lockridge said it like this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. No measure of means can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into the visibility of the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's impartially merciful. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He can satisfy all your needs, and he can do it simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak, and he's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes, and he sees. He guards, and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives the sinner. He discharges the debtor. He delivers the captives. He blesses the young and regards the age. He rewards the diligent. He lifts the humble. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. 
He's the path to peace, the the roadway to righteousness, the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable because he's incomprehensible. He's irresistible because he's invincible. You can't get him off your hands. You can't get him off your mind. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. There was nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. He has no predecessor or have no successor. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's all things to all people. He's the giver of life. He's the joy out of every sorrow. He's the light out of every darkness. He's the peace that passes all understanding. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. God is all this and more. And he still loves us. And he still cares about us. Moms, no. Where do they get that from? They get it from God. That's his nature. Here, one more thing. Moms care. They, 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 They care. Two women came to Solomon. If I invite the praise team to come back up, can you stay focused or will that get you all whacked out? I know some of you, you know, as soon as a praise band, you start packing up your stuff and getting ready to go. So I'm only going to let them come up if you promise to keep your focus. Can you do that? Yeah, sure you can. Sure you can. So here they're coming. You don't even need to look because they're coming. (laughs) Mothers. Mother's care, King Solomon, there was two ladies debating, fighting over a baby. They brought him to Solomon, and Solomon didn't know. I mean, it's just a little infant. He couldn't tell who's, who's the mother was, and, and so he says, okay, let's cut the baby in half, and we'll give one half to one woman and the other half to the other woman. And the, and the one woman said, sure, that's great. I'll take half. And the other woman said, no way. I, I would... I would rather this baby be whole and have any part to do with him. And Solomon said, you're the mother. Because because why? Because mothers care. As a teenager, I had a curfew, and and my mom would leave the light on beside her bed. And she, you know, it was one of them three click bulbs, and she'd leave it on low. And I'd walk into their room, and my dad was in REM stage 15. I mean, he'd been checked out for hours. (laughs) And my mom's laying there like, like this, I mean, just straight. And I'd click that light, and she'd shoot straight up in bed. And she'd look at the clock, and then she'd look at me. And she'd go, you made it home safe. Hope you had a good time. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. I mean, not that my dad didn't care, but moms just care. They cared. Zach, Zach came home. He comes home a lot, it seems like. He's supposed to be at college, and he keeps coming home. And, and every now and then he'll want money. Dad, give me some money. And my response is, Zach, you know, where you, you know where you go when you need money? You go to work. Go cut a yard, clean out a gutter, paint, a, paint something, go do something, make some money. And then he'll sneak off to his mama. She'll slide him some money. I'm like, Angie, you're crippling the boy. No wonder he comes home every weekend. Let him go. Let him go. Why, why, why is that? Because mothers, they care. They care. Micah, even yesterday, wanted to go up to a friend's house. 
I mean, we live here. The, the, the friend lives in the cul-de-sac. I don't know, a couple hundred yards. I'm like, go ahead. Go, Micah. And his mom, Angie's like, no, 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 you need to go with him. Go with him? It's 200 yards up the road. Somebody might get him. I said, they'll give him back. He'll talk him to death. You don't have to worry about that. They will bring that boy right home. <laughs> Mothers care. Y'all are laughing because you do the same thing. <laughs> There's a story in 1 Kings chapter 4 where this boy is out working with his dad in the field, and he gets this migraine headache. This is in the scripture. Migraine headache. And it's real sick. And it doesn't tell this, but I'm thinking the dad is going, suck it up, boy. I've, wor- I've worked out here for 14 hours in 105-degree weather in the snow. How many know they always got to put the snow in there? It could be 200 degrees, but it was in the snow. Dad, that's not even possible. It's in the snow. What are you talking about, in the snow? And, 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 and you know what they said? They said, no, no, send him to his mama. That's what the daddy said. Send him to his mama. Where do we go when we get a boo-boo or a scratch? We don't run to dad. We run to mom. Why? Most moms. Why? Because they care. I, I want you, where do they get it from? They get it from God. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Why do you worry about tomorrow, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do? If I feed the birds of the air and I clothe the lilies of the field, how much more do I care for you? As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. God even uses the nature of a mother because it's his nature. As a mother comforts her child, I'll comfort you. Here's another one. Oh, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent you, how often... I have longed to gather you as children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. That's what God says he wants to do because he cares so much. He, we were on a walk yesterday, and, and there was a duck with, I don't know, about 10, 12 ducklings. And Micah, he, he, he had a little gun with him. Like, not a gun, like a toy gun. Like a, you know what I mean, a what? Oh, was it a bat? Yeah, he's, it was a baseball bat, but a, but a nice, they're going to think I'm terrible, man. What have I done? He just, yeah, yeah, the truth, because moms know. And he had a, he had a little, little bat, and, and, you know, he, anyway, I'll just tell my, this is my story. And he started chasing the ducks. Call whoever you got to call, but he was chasing the ducks. And these, and this duck got between the little chicklets or whatever you call them, and Micah, and Micah had a red little wiffle ball bat in his hand, and this duck started, just started kind of seething at him, and them little ducklings got right behind her rear end and all jumped together and bunched together. I said, man, what a great picture of this verse, of how God just wants to gather us as his chicks and, and protect us. Some of you have lost your mom. He cares. Blessed are those who mourn, the Bible says, for he sh- they shall be comforted. Some of you didn't have a very good mom growing up for whatever reason. I want you to know he cares. And he wants to start a legacy in you. He wants to start a new thing in your life. 
Some of you can't have kids for whatever reason. It just hadn't happened yet. And you're stressing and you're worried. I'm telling you, God cares. He knows and he cares. Some of you have prodigal kids that you've been praying for years over. I'm telling you, he cares. And he's not willing that any should suffer. And he's long patient and he's kind. And he, and he wants all of his kids to be a part of the family of God. He cares. Some of you have, have lost a kid. And I can't imagine. All I know is Jesus, God lost a kid. He lost Jesus on the cross. He knows how you feel and he cares. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. So we can approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why can we do this? Because God knows and God cares. You know, the biggest lie of the enemy is to try to convince you that God doesn't know and God doesn't care. And it's a lie. One more story, and then, then I'll close, I promise. There's a story in Mark chapter 5 of Jesus. He'd been ministering all day. He'd worked extremely hard. He was exhausted. But there was something on the other side of the lake or someone on the other side of the lake that Jesus had to get to. So he gets his disciples, they get in a boat, and they start to cross the Sea of Galilee. It's eight, eight miles wide. And he goes down below to get some rest. Four miles into the journey, a big nor'easter comes up and starts just calling chaos and confusion and, and putting the disciples in all kind of fear. Jesus comes up out of the lower deck, speaks to the winds of the waves, says, peace be still, and everything's calm. He gets to the other side, and he's met by a demoniac. A man that they said would run through the city at night, scratching himself, yelling, cutting himself, just causing all kind of chaos. In, in our, he, would have been mentally, he would have been diagnosed as mentally unstable. If he was in our day, he would have been locked up in some mental institution. He'd been given drugs to, to sedate him and to keep him, to keep him calm. He would be unworthy of, of what many of us would call any kind of worth. And, and he, was just a, he was just an outcast. Socially, in every way, he was an outcast. And God, Jesus, stops, ministers to him. Before before long, the man is in his right mind, he's clothed, and he's sitting by Jesus. Completely changed and transformed. And here's here's the most powerful thing, I think, of the whole story. After that encounter, he gets back on the boat. He doesn't stay any longer. He gets back on the boat, he crosses the sea, and he gets back to what he was doing over there. Why would Jesus, maybe the most... I mean, the most busy ministry man that's ever lived. Why would he get in a boat? He's exhausted, cross the sea, fight a storm to reach one demoniac, meet his need, get back in the boat, and go back to doing what he does. I'll tell you why. Because he cares. He cares. He cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about your situation. And he wants And he wants to help. God protects. God knows. And God cares. Amen, everybody? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet with me, will you? And I want you to ask yourself this question. Pastor Andrew will come and close the service out again. Now's not the time to leave. And and I say that and 
just listen to me. When you get up and leave, it could be distracting to somebody else who the Holy Spirit is really kind of dealing with. So even if you have a place to serve and you're just leaving, I'm just encouraging you, don't leave for that. Just, just, just hold tight, stay steady. And ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What, what, maybe I'm not trusting you enough. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm trying, instead of running to you for refuge, I'm trying to do my own thing. I'm trying to create my own safety. I'm trying to create my own, be my own source. Maybe today you've been convinced, duped by the enemy, that he doesn't care. And maybe you need to say, Lord, forgive me for thinking that. And I'm reminded today that you do care and that I can cast my cares on you. Lord, speak to us. Your servants are listening. Listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes shut, maybe you're here today and you've been running from God. You've been running because you thought he just wanted to judge you and wanted to condemn you and tell you how bad you were. Jesus did not come to the world to condemn you, but through him you might be saved. Jesus is chasing you, not with judgment and wrath, but with love and mercy. He wants to show you the way. He wants to offer you hope. He wants to give you a a promising future and an eternal life. And all you got to do, here's the the deal. All you got to do is surrender to him. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I accept you as my savior and I declare that I want you to be my Lord. If that's you today, why don't you just take a second to do it? Lord, I confess my sin. I've blown it. I've messed up. I've fallen short. And I thank you, God, that you've not quit pursuing me, that you've not given up on me. And today I turn to you and I run into your arms and I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. And today, Lord, I'm declaring that I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my king. Maybe you're going through a struggle today. I pray in Jesus' name that you would, that you would mend the brokenhearted, that you would comfort those who are in need, Lord. That you would minister by grace. Lord, you, there is one promise we can stand on, and that promise is you will be with us. You're a God. You are God, Emmanuel, God with us. Be with your people this morning. Reveal your love. Open our eyes to the reality of who you are, God, we pray. And we'll thank you for it. We're going to sing one more song. Use this song as an opportunity to go after God, to declare his worth, to show him his value. Use this song to say, God, I'm dependent on your grace and I'm in need of your help. Lord, I pray that as we sing this, that you'll be lifted up. That that as we declare this, that all men will be drawn unto you, O God. Lord, that you'll, you'll fill this room with your glory and your presence and we'll be changed because of it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.